Hello and welcome back to season two of Head Right Out. I can't believe it. The date I'm recording this is the 14th of December 2021, but by the time this episode goes out to everybody, it will be almost Christmas. Where has that year gone? My name is Zoe Langley-Wathen, and if you're new here, I'd like to give you a big, huge, massive warm welcome. And if you're a returning listener, then I thank you deeply for continuing to support me. So I am a writer, a speaker, an adventure seeker, midlife adventure seeker, and a teacher. And I have been saying that Head Right Out is all about encouraging you to step out of your comfort zone and do things that stretch you, scare you, and just make you feel a bit on edge because of the power and the benefit that that has to your well-being afterwards. That's why I encourage guests to share their own Head Right Out moments at the end of every episode. Well, today's guest is just the person to reiterate that message for us even more. If you didn't believe the power of adventure on well-being previously, I hope that after listening to Belinda Kirk today, you may feel differently, even inspired to head right out. Let's get into that conversation. Today, I am totally honoured to be having a conversation with Belinda Kirk. I have been looking forward to the possibility of Belinda coming and chatting with me for so long now, and she'll never believe this, but it's actually taken me a while to pluck up the courage (laughs) to actually invite her to come and chat to me on the podcast. But Belinda is here today. She is an explorer and the leading campaigner promoting the benefits of adventure on well-being, just what we need. For the past 25 years, she has led dozens of international expeditions and remote filming trips. Belinda has walked through Nicaragua, sailed across the Atlantic, searched for camels in China's Desert of Death, discovered ancient rock paintings in Lesotho, and gained a Guinness World Record for rowing unsupported around Britain. She has led numerous youth development challenges, pioneered inclusive expeditions for people with disabilities, and manage scientific research missions in the Amazon, Sinai, and Alaska. Now, in 2009, Belinda established Explorers Connect, which is where I discovered her, a non-profit organization connecting people to adventure, and she has encouraged 30,000 ordinary people to engage in outdoor challenges. In 2020, she launched the first conference to explore the positive impact that adventurous activity has on well-being. And we will talk about that a little later on. That was the Adventure Mind Conference. So I know she's going to have so much amazing advice for us today. Belinda, welcome to Head Right Out. Hello, and thank you for having me today, Zoe. Oh. I'm sorry, I have, a, I have a bit of a croaky voice. <laughs> <laughs> But um, as long as you can hear me, um, that would be great. To have you. That's OK. No problem. I, th- I think you could probably make millions with a voice like that. You know, Barry White managed it and <laughs> various other singers. <laughs> as long as I don't start singing, you'll, you'll be all right. <laughs> OK, fine. <laughs> so, Belinda, oh, my gosh, what, what a resume you have there. So you're the founder of Explorers Connect. 
and author of an amazing book, which we're going to be talking about in a moment, and founder of the Adventure Mind Conference. We know so much about the benefits of being outside. Um, I know myself through you know, my own outside medicine. But can you talk us through you know, what is the difference between being outside and adventure? Yeah, and it, it's a good question because I think we have this wonderful understanding now. It's become a little bit more, well, it has become mainstream, the idea that being in nature is good for us. There's a huge amount of data and there's a really clear argument. And people instinctively, I think, know that it makes sense. But they, but we also, in our strange world that we live in, modern world that we live in, we kind of want evidence to prove it or theories and, and we mm. want to understand it in order to really value it enough. So the, the nature argument, the nature effect, as it's called, is I think really, really hits a sort of strong point now. And, it, and people understand it and, and believe in it. And that's great. And, and even to the point where they, you know, we're making an effort to spend more time in green spaces and so on, or, or get our kids or, or people who are ill or recovering into green spaces. Mm. But I think there's something extra to the, the nature effect. Or maybe there's something that works hand in hand. And I, I call it the adventure effect. And I think that adventure, i.e. what you do in those green spaces, what you do when you go outside, it's not just about forest bathing and being in the outdoors, but also taking on natural, adventurous outdoor challenges. This can really benefit your well-being as well. And I've called it the adventure effect because I kind of wanted to give it its own equal footing, I suppose, alongside the nature effect, because I think it's an opportunity that we've been missing. And the adventure effect really is a it's, it's a multitude of benefits. Um, I've seen people going on adventures my whole career and I've been on adventures and I've my, my, I myself have benefited from taking on challenges, from choosing challenge. Mm. And I've seen other people doing the same. And adventure is quite a difficult one to define sometimes. But I think challenge is one of the key elements of an adventure. But also choosing, uh, not just challenge, but choosing uncertainty and choosing adversity <laughs> as well. You know, choosing to be uncomfortable. And when you, you make those choices, you go into a whole new world I think where you grow as a person where you mm. build resilience where you learn to face fear where you find out what you're capable of and there's so much there's so much you can get from that um, and so I think not just going out into nature but also going outside and taking on natural challenges is just incredibly good for us. Oh, do you know that's there there's so much there that is so powerful and it's such a pull for me because I you know I discovered that 10 years ago the importance of not just going out for a walk but going out for a walk and pushing myself beyond my comfort zone actually had such a positive impact on me and yeah and that was where this all started you know trying to get that message across so yeah everything you're saying there just absolutely is like ringing bells in my head going yes 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 <laughs> I think we don't appreciate it do we? we don't we think of adventure as frivolous I think mm. and, that, and that's what I wanted to what I've been speaking about for so many years but that's why I eventually wrote the book it's like adventure is not frivolous it is actually an essential an innate part of us our human experience 
And so I kind of want to rebrand adventure for the importance that it is. Yeah, it's so necessary. Okay, so what research then, if any, has been done into how it impacts the different ages or or genders? Because I'm thinking here, and, and this actually came up for me when I was at the Adventure Mind Conference as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm really aware that there's this focus on perhaps, you know, the, the troubled teenagers being taken off to experience their first adventure and to see how that impacts on them and maybe even, you know, get some prescription therapy for that. But how is that versus, say, the menopausal woman with no confidence or a lack of energy, maybe also has never experienced anything like that before? Is there any research about that do you think have you discovered that about different ages yes um, yeah reacting differently Mm. there is some research out there so a lot of the research I've read about specifically about women it's interesting I'll give you my take on it but it's it's inconclusive would be to be fair so a lot of the research that's been done where they've assessed men and women separately so they've they've taken that into account Mm. They found that the the biggest impact on women has been on self-confidence. But it's Mm. also because the women in those studies have started with much lower self-confidence before the adventure. Now, I think that's because in our society, women have lower confidence. Actually, I think that's it's part is part of the way that modern society has evolved, I think. So I actually I don't have the data to say women are less confident than men, because that also sounds a bit it's a bit it's a bit of a big broad brushstroke but the women I know and the the personal experience I've had is that women tend to we all suffer from different things but women do tend to suffer from a lower confidence and definitely in the studies I've read where they've measured uh, men and women women have gained more in self-confidence through and self-efficacy and things like that um, through doing adventures because they've had a lower expectation of themselves at the start. Mm. And so that idea of finding out what you can do works better for somebody with low confidence. And so therefore, if it's true that you're a woman with low confidence, it's probably going to work even, it's going to have its, you know, the power will be more impactful for you. I see. So I think there is that. I think the other thing I'd say is that we're all designed to adventure. It's in our DNA. So... I, I think adventure works for everybody in a positive way on, on well-being. Mm. Um, but I think at different times in our lives, I think it's particularly important to take on certain sorts of adventures. The book is full of loads of my own theories that I just, I've based on 26 years of taking people on adventure and an awful lot of years of researching the psychology now. But I'm I'm definitely not necessarily right on everything. But what I think is that, small adventures are great and they keep us bolstered they keep us going but every now and then in our lives we hit turning points where we have to reinvent ourselves and I think the first key one is teenage years when we become child to adult and I think a big adventure at that time is absolutely fantastically helpful but also I think things like uh, the breakdown of a marriage or relationship, you know, divorce, or maybe a new relationship, or maybe having a child for the first time and becoming a parent. That's a huge upheaval in self-identity. Mm. But also menopause, like you mentioned 
premenopause, menopause, that again could be a time where you have to reappraise who you are and what your role is in society, what who you think you are, what what you want in life, all of those big, big questions. And I think a big adventure is perfect at that time because <laughs> you can reinvent yourself somewhere else and then you can come back to your normal life, as it were, and be empowered to keep those changes or, or you have that clarity. So, yeah, I think it does work for everyone, but I think it works in different ways for different people at different times. Mm. Oh, I agree. And and actually, you know, that whole the menopause time, the perimenopause, menopause time, you know, midlife women, which is obviously who this podcast is directed at and for, you know, it's a time where there's so much going on. There could be divorce happening. There could be, you know, care of elderly parents or loss of parents that potentially at the same time, there's the loss of children, maybe who have gone off to university. So, you know, the whole empty nest thing. And it was actually at the Adventure Mind Conference that the penny dropped for me that that was who Head Right Out was for. And I forget which speaker it was that just triggered that for me, but it was such a powerful moment. And I just thought, oh my goodness me, this is who I need to be speaking to and delivering this content to, because I just felt, I guess I was in that moment myself as well, but I had been gearing so much towards younger people because I've been working in schools for so many years. And it hadn't even occurred to me that there was this period where we were transitioning through into this new life, new identity and and had new new needs. But yeah, really, really important stuff. And we're so invisible at this. <laughs> well, that's what I've realised hitting mid-40s is that, that yeah, this, this whole idea of women, mid, middle-aged women being kind of invisible, but also the realisation that middle-aged women actually hold the whole country together, mm-hmm. <laughs> <not> the world, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the family as well as jobs as well as a lot of community all the community groups that I've taken my son to all the schools I mean goodness middle-aged women are basically the backbone of Britain and yeah what we don't do is we don't shout about ourselves and we don't ask for help enough I think what I've noticed as well is is writing the book and and thinking about the the cuts to say youth and and youth clubs and so on it made me realize but it's middle-aged women uh, and sort of younger people who don't always shout and have a voice. And so therefore, when you look at all the cuts that happen, you know, in public spending and so on, that's where all the, the cuts are. It's, if you're not seen as a, because we are a productive part of the of the community, mm-hmm. so are young people. But if you're not seen as being a productive part, I, if you're not the biggest breadwinner at the time or because you're taking time with your kids or whatever, if you're not, making lots of money if you're not the main breadwinner then you're not seen you're not sort of seen as as important in our society Mm. I think that's got a big part of it and it's also because we don't make enough of what we're doing you know yeah women do so much but we don't ask for the attention I suppose definitely a bit rambling figuring out myself because I'm I'm kind of at that point okay god why are things so unequal and what you know why how should the world be better (laughs) And how have we not known about this beforehand? You know, again, it's it's just so it's been so under discussed. And I mean, there are some more people out there now, you know, the likes of Joe Mosley and Siobhan Daniels, you know, really flying the flag for midlife plus women to age positively, which I think is great. But yeah, we just need more of it. 
then. So we've mentioned the book a few times. So the book is Adventure Revolution. I have read it. I devoured it, absolutely inhaled it. And I will no doubt be reading it again. It's one of those books that I think it's not just a a book to read start to finish and go, okay, that was great. I think it's a, a real dip in and out handbook as well that can kind of guide you through those key moments in your life so when when did you start writing no you're you're welcome when when did you start writing it or when did the idea blossom oh it's a good question I think about eight years seven eight years ago I decided I was going to write the book or that I wanted to read the book otherwise (laughs) um I started asking other people to write the book (laughs) um bizarrely so essentially a good I don't know 18 years ago, I recognized for myself that adventure is incredibly powerful for well-being because it had been my therapy. Then the next step was that I, through taking a lot of other people on adventures, I realized that it's actually not just, it didn't just work for me. It works for a lot of people. And so it made me think, wow, you know, adventure is really good for us. But it took me, I just wanted to go on adventures. I didn't really analyze it too much. Probably about eight years ago I I really wanted to start to understand it more and so I started reading an awful lot of research from psychology um, outdoor education adventure education uh, learned about positive psychology tourism research even about the well-being effects and trying to find the why like why is adventure so good and also what is adventure it's such a hard thing to define Mm. And why don't we and like why don't we appreciate it? And so I think it was 26 years of going on adventures and seeing it change people's lives. Then about eight, nine years of asking why and being curious and reading an awful lot. And then, yeah, six or seven years ago, saying, talking about it more and more publicly, because I thought, well, this message needs to be out there and somebody needs to write a book. I actually mentioned it to a few other people going oh would you write a book like that because I really want to understand it and um, I don't know why no one else did I think because it's such a it was a right it was a mind melding it was absolutely mind melding trying to get my head around it all I can imagine um because I'm I mean I am I did a biology degree but many years ago I'm, I'm not I'm a lapsed scientist but mm. very much lapsed so for me it was about completely relearning a whole or learning again and and learning a whole new well, not just one discipline, several disciplines, really, trying to dip into lots of them. But I found it so interesting, the psychology of it. And I was just so curious to find out for myself that I just kept researching. And then once I had all this research and all these transformational stories that I was sharing via Explorers Connect, I was, for quite a long time, I've tried to share stories where adventure has transformed people and helped people because I think Mm. it's very inspiring to people. It helps people to get going. I then thought, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to mix science with all these transformational stories that still a lot of those stories make me cry just <laughs> recounting them or thinking about them because they're so beautiful uh, mm. and so powerful at times. So, um, yeah, it took me it took me a long time. But then, to be fair, I was so busy all the time. The terrible problem of modern life always being too busy. I loved what I do, but I was so busy. I could never find the time to write the book and actually sit and finish it. So the lockdown for me was that first lockdown, as terrible as the pandemic has been, and I'm very grateful to have been so lucky not to have suffered 
in the way that so many people have. Mm. You know, I'm very lucky not to have gotten seriously ill or, or my family's not been seriously ill from it, touch wood. But for me, it was like, right, this is actually a chance for me to use this opportunity when everything else is cancelled. I can't do anything that I normally do. OK, this is my chance to write the book. And I'm so grateful that I've had the chance to write it because this is the message that of 26 years, my whole career, really, this is what I want to say. This mm. is worth sharing to me. So I really hope people read it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> congratulations. You you did it. You got it out there. And I think I know the answer to this, but how has it been received? Well, it's been good. It's been good. I've had some emails that have just been so wonderful or even, oh, goodness, it's helped people. And that's why I wrote it. It's impacted people and it's empowered people. And that is so exciting. That's why I wrote it. And do you know what happened very recently? I was speaking at the Kendall Mountain Festival and uh, a dad had driven all the way from Cheltenham to Kendall to see me speak so that he could come up to me afterwards. And he said, I drove here today to tell you that I've read your book. I've given it to my daughter. She's read the book. It's it's private, so I don't want to go into too many details. But his daughter had been struggling and they were now going on adventures, going up in the hills together. And he said, you've changed her life. You've changed somebody's life. You know, she's done the hard work and, you know, all power to her. I hope she keeps working at it and keeps finding the joy. But, you know, the book gave her the door to open the adventure box up and that has given her a pathway, hopefully, to some healing and to oh. a better way. And I, we were hugging. I was in tears. It was just so beautiful. And I was like, thank you so much for telling me that because that's that's why you write a book. You yeah. Know? You have something you passionately believe in and you want to share it and you hope that it'll help someone else. So It makes that all justified, doesn't it? And it's just magical, absolutely magical. So is one adventure enough then to maintain that adventure effect or do you think it needs to keep being maintained? The way I put it or the way I see it is that you don't go to the gym once and think, or, you know, and do a, or train for one marathon and get really fit and think you're going to be fit for life. Your physical health is like your mental health. You have to keep doing the right things, but I don't want it to sound onerous. It's going to the gym for me is utterly boring and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there with you on sorry, that. I'd rather sorry, be outside. Gym, gym owners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so dull to do it at certain times, but I really I don't enjoy it. But what I mean is, you get into routines that build you up or you get into routines that that take you down and I think modern life does loads of there's loads of traps social media and all sorts of things like that that can you can get into a pattern of doing things that that actually break down your mental health Mm. or you can get into a pattern of doing things that build you up like you do with physical health you know you have to keep doing them though but make them fun make them interesting and varied for me variety is everything so I think yes you do have to keep doing adventures but you don't have to go on a big expedition every year or something for me it lots of small adventures are good and also having a more adventurous attitude it gives you a more adventurous attitude to everything actually um but big there are times in life for for a big adventure as well like a really big challenge as well it's actually it's funny because that's what I call micro bravery so I and I have my big adventures they used to be every year I can't do every year now because of family commitments so I had to opt for something that was smaller so micro bravery is what what keeps us 
pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone all the time just thinking more positively I can do that I can have a go at that you know because I have a tendency to think overthink things and think oh no I really can't do that or what will they think of me or all the the worry the worry walk type things come into my head and just take over so yeah having having that option to think no I've got to be brave but this is a small thing but if I can go off and you know walk however many hundreds of miles on my own then I can jolly well do this and yeah I think it's just drawing on the that main adventure more often but in your everyday life isn't it it's just applying it to everyday life yeah I I think I mean for me the the magic of adventure is is not just the joy that you have and sometimes it's not joyful let's face it sometimes it can be a bit miserable in a way (laughs) Um, but it's not just the excitement and the joy of the time it's it's what you come back changed you come back with extra pieces of you and extra gifts you know either whether it be self-confidence or an appreciation of friends family I mean it can be so many things but it's what you come back with to the rest of your life so yeah I think it can Mm. make you braver and then you can take on more things or take things on in a very different way Mm, love it It, you know when I was reading the book I read it on my kindle uh, because I find that that's where I can make the most appropriate notes and it's it's the most efficient way of of making notes for me and I hadn't realized how many notes I'd actually made and highlights I'd taken so I think it's about 16 A4 pages worth of notes (laughs) (laughs) I think that has to be a record Belinda seriously but there was one thing that I highlighted It, it actually links to what you've just said and it was about how you said that adventure taught you to see opportunities where others might see threats and it taught you to risk failure and follow your dreams instead of opting for the easy path. I really connected with that. I was thinking to myself, gosh, it just sounds so scary for a lot of people. It's far easier taking the easy route. But how have you dealt with facing some of your own fears? What's in your resilience toolkit? Um, I think several things. I think the big question is when you come to something you want to do, but you're a bit scared of it, it it's not just asking yourself what can go wrong and, and how how could this be a terrible failure and how could I look foolish and, and all of the things that could go wrong, but thinking about how could it go right? If this goes well, wow, you know, I could have this experience or or this door could open or, and actually what I found is that when you take on things, the benefits, if things go well, they don't always go well, but if, if they go well, the benefits can be beyond what you ever thought. And so I think not just thinking what if what could go wrong but and, and the what ifs that way, but the what ifs it goes right. So I think a big part of when I fancy doing something, but I'm a bit worried about it, a bit scared of it, is, well, what could go right? And why, why do I want to do it? Well, that's what's going to keep motivating me. Um, mm-hmm. And if it goes wrong, I'm sure it's something I can cope with. And that's the other thing that adventure teaches you is definitely if you if you risk failing and if you fail on adventures which you there's always going to be failures along the way you will learn you learn to get up dust yourself off and carry on and once you know you can do that it makes you bolder I see this especially with kids and and the modern world that we've created it's really as a new mum my little boy's four now so not Mm. that new mum I suppose but it's terrifying all you want to do is protect them but also I'm very very aware that if I don't allow him to make mistakes for himself and do things for himself he'll never become independent you know my job is to keep him safe number one and my second job is to prepare him to be an adult Mm. and so those things 
have really helped me. But the idea of coping mechanisms, building coping mechanisms, is what resilience is all about. Really. Mm. If you, if you know, to bounce back, you need to know how to do that. You need to be confident that you can do that. You'll try something in the first place. And of course, you either go one way or the other, I think. We're talking about getting into routines and patterns of doing things. You either get into a pattern of building yourself braver and stronger, or you can get into a pattern of going down a, a, a route where you're going to limit yourself. Right. And we yeah. all we all do it. It's human nature, but it's about it's about pulling yourself out of that when you because tra- I mean bad things happen in life. Trauma and loss and difficulties happen. You know, obviously having resilience means that you can cope with that and hopefully pull yourself back onto a positive road. Mm. And each of those experiences, each of those traumas or experiences where you've failed at something, and I, I don't like using the word failure, but, you know, it's, if something hasn't gone the way you had expected it to, they all add to our tapestry of resilience, don't they? I, I've always describe resilience to students as being like a tapestry and in each experience is another skein of thread a colorful thread being added to it and it's that tapestry starts off really floppy and then over time it just gets stronger and stronger because you're constantly adding more experiences more more threads to it until you know there's no chance that it's going to wear or break you know it's not going to give at the slightest moment and building that resilience is so important yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I completely agree with you. But what I would say is the only thing I'd say differently is that failure, we shouldn't think of failure as such a bad word. No. Failures along the way are our best lessons in learning. And if you look at anyone who's really successful, they will all have failed. Mm. And I think the message should be along, the, you know, especially to young people, because we make them so fearful, our society. Mm. Is that it's OK to fail. You know, don't live cautiously, live boldly, fail, fail and then learn. Because when I failed, I've had the I've learned the quickest. Whereas if I've been overcautious, well, you, you never really get anywhere, do you? You just no. stagnate and stay in a in your own little prison, which I have done as well, but I don't want to live like that. I want to failing is okay. Obviously, this you know, you want to stay alive and stuff. Um you, know, you want to <laughs> there there's catastrophic failures um (laughs) so you need to be sensible but failing the end failing is a step I love the fact that you have yeah corrected me on the word failure because for so long because I was working in a grammar school where you know the students the girls in that school just absolutely feared failure and so we were basically yeah trying to use different words other than failure all the time and so yes I have just learned over the years that failure is a negative word and that is what all of us seem to have taken on about the word failure so thank you yes it's failure actually can be used in a positive way and yeah get used to it go out and fail and benefit from it as a result fail fast (laughs) I think that's that's something I've heard from maybe business people or something oh I love it so if adversity and risk and failure is good for us then how do we encourage change how do we affect that change you know what can we do going forward to make sure that that happens not just for us but for our families for society you know where can we take that in the the small picture but also in the bigger picture 
Well, that's the hard bit, isn't it? I think that's partly why I wrote the book, because I wanted there to be a clear argument. So that if you understand that, if you feel that you believe that, then you will make you will live differently and you'll make more time for not just adventures, but also allow yourself failures and and be bolder with 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 all sorts of things. But I think the next step is then to try to talk to friends, family, children about that and try to help them to see things differently. But on a bigger scale, on a kind of public policy, social scale, it's really hard. The Adventure Mind Conference that we mentioned earlier, the reason I run that is because of exactly trying to answer that question. It's like, how can we affect change? You know, we've got the data, we've got the will, we've got good people here. What can we do to make some things change? And I think there's so many opportunities. It's just trying to pick which ones are going to be the most impactful. You know, I think in schools, for example, we need adventure in schools, but we also need different, along with adventure comes different attitudes, like we were talking about failure. Also within our healthcare, we need to add things like, rather than giving out pills, and I understand that antidepressants and various sorts of these drugs that are used for mental health, some of them are absolutely essential. But I think there's a an agree there's a pretty much I'm not the only one who thinks that maybe they're being given out too quickly and too readily mm. and that we should be looking at other options like green therapy, adventure therapy, more social opportunities, because a lot a lot of our mental health, I think, in our country is not down to people's biology, but it's actually down to the fact that we've changed our the way that we live and the way that we live is making us ill. And none of us can avoid it. It's everywhere, you know, the stress, the difference, you know, the pressures and so on. It's a toxic environment that we live in. And I don't mean physical necessarily, but yes, it the social world can really pull us down, can't it? And because we're just caught up so much with being busy, working, social media. And social media can be positive, but it can if we're if we're caught up with it in the wrong way, it can actually have a negative effect because we're just not going out, we're not socializing, we're not doing things that benefit our mental health and our physical well-being Mm. yes and so all of these things have gone I don't know what I mean it's a really interesting question as to why have we got to this place I think we could have a we talk for hours about that yeah Um, yeah (laughs) that's one for another day maybe (laughs) yeah yeah. but we are in this place and how do we approach life differently how do we try and help our friends and families to especially ones who are struggling to Mm. see things to to have a different approach that's why I love positive psychology and a lot of the book is about positive psychology yeah. because it's about taking on you know, what can you do to enhance your mental health and your well-being and, and to flourish and live a good life. It really does shine through in the book. I mean, you absolutely, without a doubt, you can see that. It's, it's very positive throughout and, and gives lots of practical hints and tips and advice on, on how to take that forward in your own life and for your family. I, I really got that. Yes, but how do we get and how do we get things to change on a society mm. level? Yeah, well, I'm still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see more adventure in schools, more adventure in healthcare and social prescribing and mm. so on. But also everything from urban planning, you know, we should shut shut off streets to cars. We've allowed the car to become king. Mm. Um, allow kids to play in the street again and imagine the street parties you could have and get to know your neighbours <gasps> again and I don't know, there's, there's so much to say, there's so much that can yeah. be done, but I think it's just, we need a different attitude. We need, yeah, 
We need middle-aged women running the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Big up middle-aged women. <laughs> we, we, we've got this. Oh, brilliant. Well, look at Jacinda. Jacinda over in New Zealand. She was juggling a baby and running New Zealand. And uh, and she was fantastic. I mean, yeah. if anyone, if, I don't know, of all the world leaders, she did pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So Belinda, is this is the question that I ask every guest when they come onto the podcast is there a head right out moment that you can recall something where you stepped out of your comfort zone and benefited as a result something that you didn't think you were capable of perhaps previously and really feared it but you did it and then came away with a positive effect a positive impact it's a head right out moment Yes. Well, that's, oh, that's why I do adventures. They, they give me head right out moments all the time. Yeah. The most powerful one was, um, was the first time because that's when I, when you discovered that magic. Um, and for me, it was going to Africa when I was 18. I had had a, a difficult childhood. The latter part of my childhood, I suffered from some violence episodes in my life that were, I had very low self-esteem basically. And Duke of Edinburgh Award got me out on some adventures in Britain when I was about 16. And that gave me a whole new hope for my future. And then that followed by going off to Africa afterwards when I left school. And I literally, I came back a completely different person. And although I had still a lot to learn and a lot to, a lot of confidence to build, my view changed from a road, I think, that was taking me um, where I didn't want to go. And where I felt I should go. And I instead I stepped onto a road that was going to be my road. And I was still lacking confidence in lots of ways. And I still had lots of growing to do. But I stepped onto my own road for the first time. And that was because, yeah, I'd taken that head head, head first out. Head right out moment. Yeah. What a poignant, what a poignant moment that was as well. And it's it's that key pivotal time in your life again isn't it where you're transitioning from adult into sorry from teenager into adult it's so important at that mm. time of life and, and a lot of mental health problems arise around the age of 14 mm. and your whole biology is going nuts obviously thank goodness I was lucky enough to discover that then otherwise I don't know maybe I would have discovered it later but yeah um, I was very lucky to discover it then yeah um, Wow, there's so much there, uh, but we're running out of time, Belinda. But thank you so much. I just this is so it's been so exciting. So the Adventure Mind Conference, that's we it happened last year, 2020. I was there, and I've been eagerly awaiting the next conference. Can you tell us a little bit more about when you think that might be taking place? Well, I'm. Because of COVID, we've had all sorts of delays and cancellations and, mm. and so on and so forth. I'm very much hoping it will be happening in April. And should, I mean, by the time this fabulous podcast comes out, I'm sure it should hopefully be out and should all be announced. Brilliant. So, yeah, within the next few days, I hope to be able to announce it again. Okay, fabulous. And 
we obviously want people to go out and buy your book. I mean, I cannot recommend it enough. I think it needs to be a staple in every school library. <laughs> That's for certain. But also for families, for young families. So, that, you know, to encourage them to start thinking about, you know, the choice of language and the way they're going to bring up their children. So where can people go and buy your book? So, yes, um, Adventure Revolution, you can buy it at all major booksellers. So both online and also in all the lovely bookshops. It's good to support our bookshops. So, um, yeah, there are signed copies at the moment in Stanford's bookshop in Bristol and London. Yeah. And, and you could also contact me if you if you wanted to have a signed copy or have a wanted any more information. Do get in touch. Brilliant. And where can people get in touch with you? Where can they find you, Belinda? through Explorers Connect and also I do do a little bit of social media at the moment I'm not massive not massive social media but you can you can contact me through Explorer Belinda and Explorers Connect so Explorer Belinda and Explorers Connect on social media belindakirk.com and also explorersconnect.com wonderful brilliant well Belinda, this has been an absolute joy. I have been looking forward to this for so long. I'm so pleased that I plucked up the courage <laughs> to contact you in the end. And yeah, I, I mean, I have learned so much from you over the years of listening to you speak and, you know, the benefit of the Adventure Mind Conference, reading your book and now talking to you again. We've talked a couple of times in person, but yeah, this has been you know really in depth and I really appreciate it. So Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on Head Right Out. No, well, thank you, Zoe. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thanks for reading my book. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it was, yeah, I'll be reading it again, definitely. <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, have a lovely Christmas and hopefully catch up with you at Adventure Mind. Thanks, Zoe. Well, there are some major important messages in there. I cannot begin to tell you how much Adventure Mind and the Adventure Revolution book has inspired me. I've been following Belinda for quite a number of years now, and the work she is doing is so important. And I truly hope that there will be someone one day in a position of power who can help guide the message of the positive impact of adventure on our health and well-being to the policymakers themselves, to the schools and out there to the general public. Heck, it needs to be a public health campaign or something, doesn't it? We need an adventure revolution and well done to Belinda for flying that flag, for carrying that standard for so long. She has got so much wisdom, so much expertise in this area. Who better than to take this revolution forward? Now, my favourite testimonial about the book, I just wanted to share with you because I think that sums up what Adventure Revolution is about and really the message that Belinda has been portraying to us today. The perfect post-pandemic handbook for anyone wanting help to revitalise their life, increase their confidence and surprise themselves. Belinda Kirk makes clear that purposeful adventure in the 21st century can be for us all. Everyone who wants to should be enabled and encouraged 
to access and benefit from the genuinely life-defining experiences, the powerful magic that can happen on even the smallest adventure. Belinda Kirk is a wise champion, and Adventure Revolution is a great companion to help on that journey. And that was written by Honor Wilson Fletcher, MBE, the CEO of the British Exploring Society. Okay, so we have our first head right out moment to share of season two. And as I spoke about them earlier, you know, this is the whole reason that I share head right out moments is to encourage other people to step out of their comfort zone to understand the benefit of pushing ourselves. Okay, this week's head right out moment has been sent in by an old friend of mine from school. And her name is Karen Wood. I think you're going to like this one, particularly the people that enjoy and appreciate cold water swimming and open water swimming. This is called cold water bobbing. As a migraine sufferer for many, many years and perimenopause making them more unpredictable, I've been changing my lifestyle to try and reduce the number of attacks I get. I've thought about what I put in my body, visited a food allergy therapist, and on advice have cut down on caffeine, changed to a dairy-free diet, and eliminated garlic, malt vinegar, and grapes. Unfortunately, that also includes wine. I also thought about what I put on my body, and I've switched to a skincare and cosmetic range called Tropic, which is vegan contains completely natural ingredients and is a double carbon neutral company. I love the products so much, I even became an independent Tropic ambassador. I also started exercise classes from home. I can't overly exert myself as this brings on a migraine, so I choose the online classes I do carefully and only do the cardio ones on very clear days. I then read that cold water therapy is great for migraines, So on a day off in October, my husband, Steve, suggested we take a day trip to Sidmouth. And if I wanted, I could get in the sea. I think he expected me to bulk at the idea, but I jumped at it. Then I remembered I'd have to get my body out in public, which is why I rarely even go swimming in the local pool and why I like the online workout sessions. Since I hit my 40s, my body confidence has taken a massive dip. However, I thought, this is away from my home, so I should just go for it. Now, this may not seem like a big adventure to some, but it was completely out of my comfort zone. Nevertheless, I was determined to do it, as I wanted to try it to see if cold water swimming was something I could possibly then do on a regular basis. On the day, there was no question of backing out. I'd completely psyched myself up to do it, and I knew my husband was rooting for me to get in the sea. I hadn't wanted to buy a wetsuit for what may have been a one-off, so I was wearing a two-piece swimsuit for easy on-beach changing. Bearing my body on the beach was difficult for me. As I said, I've not been body confident in the last few years, so the walk down to where the waves were lapping against the sand 
was a little self-conscious in my navy and white striped bikini. The sea was cold, but it wasn't as cold as I thought it would be, although it was very rough, which explained the amount of wetsuit-clad surfers in the waves. One surfer walked past me and shouted, You're brave! And I felt it. I strode in and plunged myself under. It was absolutely exhilarating, and the feel of the cold water on my skin was just so uplifting. The waves were crashing against me and over me, and the cold on my head was so soothing. I tried to swim while staying in my depth, but the waves were huge. I stayed in for a while, but was mainly doing more bobbing than swimming. During my walk back up the beach, I had no thoughts about my body or does my bum look big. I was just filled with joy and gratitude. It had surprisingly helped with my body image issues as I realised it doesn't matter what shape or size I am or what wobbly bits I might have. My body is here to help me complete these sort of activities and enjoy life, not shy away from it. I then sat, wrapped in a towel, on a rock with my husband and the dog, drinking a cuppa, watching the waves and the surfers for ages, just feeling totally at peace. It was the best day out I had in 2021, and I'll definitely be doing more cold water swimming. Or bobbing. (laughs) Another thought was that I should probably invest in a wetsuit especially after one rather large wave, almost deprived me of my bikini bottoms. Oh, Karen, that is exactly the sort of head right out moment message that I want people to hear. Thank you so much for sharing that. There are two photographs uh, with her coming back out of the swim, looking totally and utterly chuffed with herself, arms in the air and those crashing waves behind her. Okay, so if you want to follow Karen, she is tropic underscore with underscore Karen W on Instagram and on Facebook, she is Karen's Tropic Lounge. Karen Wood, thank you so much for sending that in. And if anybody else has a head right out moment that they would like me to share on the podcast, please email me zoe at headrightout.com or message me on any of the socials and we'll get something together. Okay, so the next episodes to come out, we have a solo episode to come out from me, a solo episode. And we have Abhijali Bernadova from the Czech Republic. She is a swimmer and a runner. And when I say swimmer, I mean like mega swimmer. She's uh, like an ultra swimmer. And we're going to be chatting to Siobhan Daniels, who is all about pro-aging. And she is living her life exceptionally alternatively at the moment, which I'm all for. As you know, I'm living on a boat too. So we'll hear more about Siobhan's story. And I also have a conversation lined up with Jo Bradshaw. She's a friend of mine and I've been in touch with Jo now for maybe five, six years um, since actually going to hear her speak at Cotswold Outdoor in Brecon. 
And I travelled all the way up from Poole to go and hear her talk in Brecon. That was before I was living in Abergavenny. But so Jo is a mountaineer, but she wasn't always a mountaineer. So there are some important messages that Joe will be sharing with us there as well. So mountains and menopause. There's been a delay on the out-out episodes as I had totally underestimated how long they would take to edit. Rookie error, I know, but I've learned lots about recording outside and also lots about the fact that if I keep recording for hours and hours and hours, it means I've got hours and hours and hours of content to edit, which has, is what's happened. So we've got at least two, possibly even three out-out episodes to come out. There's lots of outs in that. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, but yes, they are still a work in progress. Let's call them that. And as a lot of you will know, I took the six weeks between seasons because I had a lot of personal things going on as well myself. So moving to a new boat and I became a grandmother and and other family things going on. So it was important for me during this time to take that time to be present for family and for myself and for Mike. I hope you found this a positive and inspiring episode. Please hit follow on your podcast app wherever you listen to Head Right Out. And if you get a moment, please just help me spread the love and the message even more by rating and reviewing because that helps us reach more people. Okay, that's it for today. My call to action for you is to A, send me in your own head right out moment. I'm looking for more to add to the episodes as we progress. And to B, hit follow and go help me spread the love by rating and reviewing the podcast. I want to really grow this show and I can't do that without you. I've had some amazing feedback already and we've only had one season, 10 episodes. It's been incredible. But let's get the head right out message out there even more and the adventure revolution message too. Get out there, do stuff that scares you, push yourself out of your comfort zone. Head right out hugs to you all. Mwah.